0: Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I am joined by Tessa. You might know her on Instagram as at Books as Meals. So let's dig into our first course and talk about food horror.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Um, I've been listening to your podcast since probably before 2018 when you had Rachel as like your co-host. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I, yeah, I love your podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs> I
0: was so excited to have you on. Listeners, if you don't follow Books as Meals on Instagram, you absolutely have to. It's just this very interesting review style for horror books where you kind of pair books with food.
1: Yes. How did That's that how start? That's how you describe it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there were a few catalysts to this i would say there's like three things that happened um the first thing was so i was working at a bank and going back to school for graphic design and my coworker and me at the time when at the bank we could, would get very bored easily because there was nothing to do it was like a very slow bank there was no customers ever um but we weren't allowed to like read or go on our phones or do anything except like read bank procedures or talk to each other. Um, And so we would ask each other like progressively weirder questions as we were there. And so my favorite question that one of us asked, which I don't remember who asked this, but we asked if you were a breakfast item, what would you be? And it was kind of just like this personality question. And we went like super detailed into it and just like describing like the type of food we would be. And then we you know proceeded to describe every other person in the office like what they would be like oh this person's like leftover pizza that they like took out of the fridge in the morning and like <laughs> depending on like if we like them or not <laughs> um and so that question like always stuck in my mind um and then like fast forward may 2020 i graduated with my degree and it was like the height of the pandemic and i was like this is the most useless degree that i could have gotten like why didn't i become a nurse or something <laughs> like actually that saves lives or something um And so I was still working at the bank, but I was also, I just had like longer stretches of time to read. And so I was reading a ton of horror books and I was just jealous of how people could review books so well. And I feel like I just didn't have that skill, like of describing things. It was always just like, oh, I liked the book or I didn't. And so I always wanted to like review books, but I just didn't know how. And then I was reading Faux by Ian Reid, which I know you have read Ian Reid, I think, probably all his books there's I don't think he only has like three but um he's one of my favorite authors and I just like while I was reading it I just was like this is such a breakfast book like I don't know why It was just like this is a breakfast book to me and so I uh, just decided like I'm gonna try reviewing books as meals and like what the you know the tone of the book is and try to like capture that as a meal and then describe it through that and so that's that's like the origin story.
0: I love that. I look forward to those every time a new one pops up on my feed. Like how I guess are there books where you struggle a bit more with like finding what the the food pairing is going to be? And do you ever pick just foods that are mentioned in the story?
1: Yeah, both. Both of those things. Like there's so many books that I love, but I just can't figure out what I would use as a meal. And sometimes I'll like reread them too to like try and try and like determine it. Like monstrelio i love that book but i just could not think of a meal for it that like worked um and yeah so it's, it's it is hard but and yeah i do sometimes pick food that's like in like i think i'm thinking of ending things it's like you know that dairy queen when they go yeah. to and get like a blizzard like i was like it just has to be that yeah it's, like it's like a cold move or it's a cold book so it's like in the winter time but yeah. And so now I feel like I have to ask you what you would be if you were a breakfast I was, item. Okay, God. I was thinking about this.
0: I want to say, I think I would be a waffle, maybe like a frozen ego waffle. Ooh, nothing on top? Butter and syrup, maybe a side of bacon. Okay. okay. What about you? That's what was good. your
1: answer for it? I feel like it changes. Right now I feel like I'm Blueberry pancakes and a grapefruit. Cause I'm just like a sweet and sour vibes. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, I just like, I like asking that question. Cause I feel like you can just figure out someone's personality through it really well.
0: Oh no. What are you, what are you gathering? No, from yours is good. You got,
1: no, that's good vibes. <laughs> I mean, I just think of stranger things with Egos. That's
0: true. That's true. I wasn't thinking that, but yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> I feel like down to earth. Not super uh-huh. complicated.
1: Still young. Easy going. Easy yeah, going, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chill but complex. <laughs> Chill but complex. I like that.
0: <laughs> oh man. Well, I'm so excited. We decided to do food horror. There is a lot here. I feel like, especially in recently in movies, there's been a bit more
1: mm-hmm.
0: of yeah. this trend yeah. in food
1: horror. But why do you think they make such a good, a good pairing? I thought about this a lot. I was trying to figure it out, but I feel like in normal conditions, food is supposed to be like this very cozy, like safe thing that you have, and you like you share it with a family and friends, and it's like you eat for survival and life. Um, so I feel like it's really fun when horror flips it on its head, where you're like afraid of eating something, or you're like you don't know what you're consuming, or you're yes. being forced to eat something disgusting.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's, there's a bit of that in horror of the like, I don't know what's in here. Mm-hmm. But I think also like I love watching food prep scenes in movies. And I love like the violence that there is in, in <laughs> horror, like when it's like violent food prep scene. And I just keep thinking of the, the opening credits to Dexter, where he's like cutting open the yolk, and it's like going everywhere. And yes. it's just like violently cracking the eggs. <laughs> Yeah. And I think both it's visually just so visceral and you can do a mm-hmm. lot with food. And I think as with a lot of horror, you have like a physiological reaction to it, like either
1: disgust or like mouthwatering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's totally true. And I feel like our culture is all about like indulgence and like over consuming things and there's just a lot to go
0: off of, which I think we've seen that in the in the stuff that's been coming up. That I think is getting into into class and this indulgence and mm-hmm. critiquing like this ultra fine dining, as we talked about off air. Like there's a lot of a lot of a certain type of horror story that's told with food horror, and I would say that's with like
1: exploitation and like who is being exploited mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. make this meal in what way. And I feel I feel like there's a lot of food taboos in cultures like, you know, as Americans are like in the West, we're so grossed out by people eating, you know, horses or cats or dogs. It's like, you know, absolutely disgusting to us. But then like we're over here in America eating hot dogs and it's just like totally normal to us. And it's absolutely disgusting how they make hot dogs. Okay. Um, but yeah, I just feel like there's just there's so many food taboos
0: definitely well speaking of hot dogs i actually just read um jamie loftus's book raw dog which kind of goes into like the the history of hot dogs and like labor oh. and like all kinds of stuff it was like a very fascinating and funny deep dive so it was a good it was a good audio was it non was it non it's nonfiction. yeah
1: oh i would totally read or listen to that i recommend it and she's a
0: good audiobook narrator she's she's a podcaster too Well, I was also thinking about scenes that have traumatized me as a child. And I was looking back and there are a lot of food related horror scenes Mm -hmm. that traumatized me. Starting off with Nightmare on Elm Street 4. I don't know if you're familiar, but yeah, there's a scene like close to the end where they're in this like dream diner. And Freddy is there and he's eating like a pizza with sausages. But the sausages are like sentient and they're the faces of the... (laughs) of the teenagers he's killed oh my gosh and I was like so young when I saw this and I had convinced myself this was a fever dream that I made up because it was just <laughs> so wild that
1: I didn't think this actually was a thing that I saw I, I need to watch, watch movie that movie. I don't remember that I don't even know if I've seen Nightmare on Elm Street 4 but that sounds really good <laughs> <laughs> it was
0: just a so little wild um, then in Hannibal, the Mm -hmm. movie um, there's a scene where like Julianne Moore as Clarice walks in and it's just like Hannibal Lecter and Ray Liotta and he's making like Ray Liotta eat this soup and Ray Liotta just has like a dumb smile and is talking about how (laughs) delicious this soup is and then spoilers Hannibal Lecter tells her that it's his own brain like he's eating his own brain in a soup he like pulls back the hat to show (laughs) traumatizing (laughs) that's horrifying (laughs) and then the chinese food scene in the it miniseries Mm -hmm. like splashes into blood and it's like alive and it's like yeah it's terrifying (laughs) so three three visceral
1: (laughs) yeah those are yeah yeah i also would say well this isn't like that traumatizing but in spirited away the food scene with the parents so yes it's, you know, the girl and her parents stumble upon this abandoned amusement park. And there's just like this sort array of delicious foods. And then the girl's like, Oh, like, we shouldn't eat that. And the parents are like, No, it's fine. Like, we'll just eat it. And they're just eating well, it looks amazing, yeah. whatever it is, the dumplings. And they're just like gorging on it. And then they turn into pigs. <laughs> so that scene always stuck with me.
0: Absolutely. I can see that. I will say i watched spirited away for the first time as an adult but i remember seeing it and thinking this would have traumatized me <laughs> yeah as a child yeah. <laughs> but as an adult i'm like that food looks really good though it looks so, so good. i get it yeah I fully no, understand totally i probably would also want a little
1: bit. i know and it was just like it was hot food it was ready for them there's just nobody yeah. around
0: they offered to pay yeah they did <laughs> oh man well speaking of food horror movies should we talk mm-hmm. about some ones we've seen recently yeah Yeah. I mean, probably starting off with the menu, I would say it's probably what started this idea for this episode.
1: Yeah. And it was like, that was last year Mm -hmm. that it came out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a very recent movie. um, And I was very excited to see it. Just like seeing the trailer for it, I was just so excited. I was, you know, the whole thing with the pretentious food critics going to this exclusive island to eat. Um, Yeah. Private Island for the rich, basically.
0: Yes, um, I will say it didn't go where I thought it was going to go. I feel like the trailers and everything kind of set it up where you're like, oh, I know where this story's going. It's going to be revealed that and it wasn't. It was a a different thing. Yeah, it was a different twist, which I appreciated. The waitress was my favorite. She's like, that is a tortilla. (laughs) A tortilla, like the way she said it. Yeah. (laughs) Also came out
1: last year fresh. Mm -hmm. on hulu Uh, i absolutely love i love that movie too um i don't know if we can like talk about it too much with spoilers but basically it was you know a woman meets a man in a grocery store they i don't remember what happens but she wakes up and she's like chained to the floor
0: yeah they're going on like a a couple's like getaway for the weekend and she's like at his house oh, yeah. cabin yeah. and she has like a drink he offers her a drink and then she gets a little woozy and then she wakes up and then she was chained up. to a yeah. room yeah yeah
1: yeah it's a horrifying
0: realization
1: but the ending to that movie the ending to that movie really appreciated <laughs> i know
0: it's gonna be tough to talk talk around these um but yeah i don't want to spoil like a bunch of movies that mm-hmm. You have just come out honestly even ones that haven't come out yet like I'm gonna talk about dumplings from 2004 which <laughs> I am recommending with the caveat that it is very dark it has some comedic elements but it's pretty dark also so many mouth noises so many like chewing eating slurping <laughs> sounds so <laughs> that bothers you I'm just letting you know like don't watch it with headphones this is a movie from hong kong and it's about an actress who hears about these dumplings that can reverse aging and the the movie kind of opens up with her going to this um apartment complex and knocking on the door and meeting this woman she's like is this where i can get the dumplings that everyone talks about and she's like yeah come on in and she's a little hesitant to even to even try the dumplings until the woman
1: tells her like how old do you think i am and she says, like, I don't know, in your 30s? And she's like, exactly. So eat the dumplings. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of another a short story we have on our list. Mm-hmm. I, I Yeah, I need to watch that. I have another movie on the list, which I don't know if I actually liked it, but it's called Delicatessen. It is a French movie. It's set in a post-apocalyptic world where food is in short supply. And this butcher lives in, like, the bottom of an apartment building. I think he's, like, the landlord. And he posts job opportunities in the newspaper looking for men as, like, maintenance workers. And he basically lures them in to use them as a cheap meat substitute to sell. Which, that comes in, like, pretty early in the movie, so it's not really a spoiler. But it's just a really bizarre movie. It's by the same director who made Amelie. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: You know, okay, it had a very quirky vibe. So that makes so much sense. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah, I wish. I just wish the story was better. I don't know. There was just something about it that didn't work for me, but it was it was fun,
0: kind Mm -hmm.
1: of. And I think if we're talking about stylized horror and
0: food, we have to at least mention the Hannibal TV series, which I think had. I'm to this day still shocked that it aired on just cable because it would have like the most gruesome like Did kills really? and murders and then it would cut to these like beautiful like works of art like gourmet dishes so i think it was just <laughs> a property that really married those two things mm-hmm. like the viscera of both and everything just so well
1: yeah okay so i hadn't heard of this movie but i saw it on your list so i watched it last night it's called the stuff this movie's from 1985 um so It's very 80s. Yes. Yeah. Um, And so everyone becomes obsessed with this yogurt ice cream substance that they, like, find in the snow. Yeah. It's, like, bubbling. (laughs) I love that their first reaction was, like, this,
0: yeah, this, like, bubbling, gurgling, like, goo. (laughs) I'm going to touch it and then, like, lick my fingers.
1: Yeah, yeah. And this guy's just, like, this old man's just, like, obsessed with it. He's like, oh, this is so good. (laughs) <laughs> and then they like the other guy comes over and tries it too. It's like, why would you? Why would you eat that?
0: Yeah. yeah, but then it becomes yeah, packaged and sold like worldwide, all over the country, and people like they can't keep it on the shelves, and people mm-hmm. are obsessed with this. But yes they aren't sure. Like, first of all, what it is? Nobody knows what this is, and what the the after effects are. And there's like a big conspiracy it's like a yeah. whole thing there's yeah,
1: like there's a lot of <laughs> go ahead there's
0: a lot of that i was gonna say there's just like one kid who doesn't want to eat it doesn't even want to try
1: it yes yes yeah it was it was a movie about food horror i mean we have yeah. to add it to the list yeah. <laughs> rampant
0: consumerism of the 80s mm-hmm. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by libro fm Libro FM is the first and only company which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best. Booksellers. I mean, and us. We also have a playlist on there full of books that have been recommended on this podcast. Books in the Freezer special offer, you get two audiobooks for the price of one, just $14.99, with your first month of membership using code FREEZERBOOK. This offer is valid for new members in Canada and the United States. Thank you, Libro FM, for supporting the show. Well, are we ready to talk about some books? Yes. I'm starting off with a book I read recently that I absolutely adored, and that is A Certain Hunger by Chelsea G. Summers. This is about a woman named Dorothy Daniels, who at one time in her life was a successful food critic. And the book you're reading now is the memoir that she's writing from jail as she's recounting her childhood, you know, full of farm to table cuisine, like her relationship with her mother, her sexual exploits, you know, the first time she put an ice pick through a man's neck on fire Island and burned the house down, you know, a journey where she's just embraced what she loves. Um, This is just absolutely perfect if you love first-person, like, sociopath POV. And she is so funny because she just is completely unapologetic in the way that she lays out what happened. There is no emotion. She was this very um successful food critic and so she does have her like little rants where she talks about food and she's so pretentious and i just like (laughs) loved her as a character because of all of those things and i will say when i see reviews those are the things people hate (laughs) but it's what made it was just her voice as she recounts all these things um so here's a quote eat what you love they say and i have but that's facile It's not merely that I loved Giovanni, Andrew, Gil, and Marco. It's also that I lost them. And it's not merely that I loved and lost them. It's also that I hated them. As much as they were my lovers, they were my enemies. Which is more or less all you can hope for from a person with whom you do not share DNA. Like,
1: she's just very funny and snarky. She's extremely pretentious. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Did you read it? I did read it. I read it last week. I had so many people recommending me this book. And so I had really high expectations, which I think is why I didn't like it as much as I wish I had liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like after you like read your description of it, I liked it a little more, <laughs> like hearing like your thoughts behind it. But yeah, I think she did an amazing job with her food descriptions. I, that was probably my favorite part of the book. I was trying to find some, but
0: I bought the audiobook. So it was hard for me to go back and like find quotes. But yes, the food descriptions, like the food writing was so good. I'm like, yeah, that Mm -hmm. is like how a food critic would write about this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I listened to it on audio too and I I would say the narrator's really she did a really great job.
0: I know. I just I thought it was really funny in her tone, but also just like the things that go wrong, like when she's trying to like talk her way out of the ticket or like when she's like floating in the ocean. Captain She falls off the phone. Like I just feel like there's a lot of those like funny little things that happened that I still Mm -hmm. think about. Um, (laughs) so I would say this is high fridge freezer. The gore is pretty high. Like, this is not Mm -hmm. like a give it to anyone type of book, but the tone is kind of funny and it's kind of like snarky and removed. So I'm putting it there. High fridge, possibly freezer. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So that is A Certain Hunger
1: by Chelsea G. Summers. My first book, this one kind of goes beside A Certain Hunger, um, Tender is the Flesh by Agustina Basterica. Have you read this one? Yes. Do you? Okay. Um, so it's about a man who works at a local processing plant. He slaughters humans, but they don't call them that. They call it like special meat, I think. Yeah. Um, So his wife has left him. I feel like she I forget what happened. She just kind of like went away. So animal meat is poisonous to humans. And so the government have initiated the transition. And so now everybody's eating special meat, which is just humans. Um, And so the main character is one day given a gift, which is a live specimen. It's just like a woman. He's forbidden to have any sort of like personal contact with her. But, you know, little by little. You know, he doesn't have his wife anymore, so he starts treating her like a human being. I
0: and, mean, yeah, his relationship with her progresses throughout the story.
1: Yeah, they they get closer. Yeah. They, things happen off page, I would say. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, something happens. <laughs> and then the last line in the book is just incredibly disturbing.
0: Yeah. That was a, a gut punch of a, like, jaw drop. Mm-hmm book for me yeah the world building in that was so good just the meeting with the vendors and the way they talked about things and just the way things are in this world now and the way that everybody just accepts it
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it did feel real to me like it was like oh this could probably happen
0: (laughs) yeah it was very very well written I love this book
1: so where would you rate it I would I mean, I would say Freezer. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, agree. it's pretty disturbing. Yeah. I also like that that book is like very upfront about cannibalism. Like we, there's, that's not the twist. The twist yeah. isn't the cannibalism part.
0: Yeah. The cannibalism is like the premise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, listen, this is a story about cannibalism. Just so you know, fully, yeah.
1: <laughs> fully. It's not going to be revealed later. This is a story about cannibalism. Yes. <laughs> So this was Tender as the Flesh by Agustina Basterica. Love it. Um, I read a graphic novel called Hungry
0: Ghosts. Or I think it's technically Anthony Bourdain's Hungry Ghosts by the late Anthony Bourdain, Joel Rose, and Alberto Ponticelli. And this uh, is available on Hoopla for free if your library uses Hoopla. So this is, I think, a really good pairing with The Menu. This is about a Russian oligarch who is having this very exclusive dining experience and he dares a group of the chefs to participate in this samurai game called A Hundred Candles, where the room is lit with a hundred candles. Each chef has to tell like a scary supernatural story and then like look at themselves in the mirror and pray they survive. So this was based off of a, a real game from the Japanese Edo period and then each story centers around food. Okay, yeah. so it's like an anthology? Kind of, yeah. It was like a little little short story collection type of thing, but in a, in a graphic novel. Okay. So, yeah, they're all interesting. So rating-wise, it's going to vary because it's a short story collection. And mm-hmm. like with most short stories, some stories are scarier than others. Some stories are better than others. And so it was like a little uneven in that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I will say also going into this, uh, if you weren't familiar with Anthony Bourdain, a lot of these are pretty crass. Like, there's a lot of like butt stuff. So, oh. yeah, just like know that going in. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, there's like sexual assault, like just things you should know before before diving into this one. But okay. I loved the food stuff, and of course, there was recipes in the back. Oh, I love that. I know. I'm always like, yes, give me the recipes in the back. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, that was that was a pretty fun read, though. That is Anthony Bourdain's Hungry Ghosts by Anthony Bourdain, Joel Rose, and Alberto Ponticelli.
1: Okay, my next pick is Carpenter's Farm by Josh Mallerman. Um, so this is a serialized novel that was written during the pandemic, and it's free to read on Josh's website. Okay. Um, it's about a group of thespian friends, so they're all like actors who travel from New York to Michigan to check on their friend who's doing a little too good in the country. He's just inherited his uncle's farm and he's just like living there alone. And so they go and visit him and he he's just like completely different than how he was before. He's just like very um, calm and he invites them inside and they have dinner together and that's when everything goes wrong. Um, And it's just very unsettling. And I would say a read-alike is I'm thinking of ending things, um, specifically when the protagonist and her boyfriend are in the home in the farm and they're eating at the dinner table. It's very much like that. It's just very unsettling. And you don't know, like, why. But, yeah, it was just creepy. And so I definitely think this would be in the freezer. Like, it definitely has some freezer burn on it.
0: (laughs) It sounds really good, though. I'm going to go read this.
1: I would also say sometimes it's hard to read on screens, like on your computer, but whoever did the website design did a really nice job at like the colored background. Like It's not just like white with black text, so it's really nice to read. Well, that's good that they put thought into that. It made it a little more accessible. Yes. That was Carpenter's Farm by Josh Mallerman.
0: Okay. All right. Well, my last pick tonally is going to be Pretty different. It is Food Fright by Nico Bell. And uh, Nico Bell came on, I think, last year, and we talked about campy horror. And this absolutely falls into that. Um, this is one of the Rewind or Die series of novels on Kindle Unlimited, or like novels, novellas. Um, but they all are supposed to be reminiscent of like VHS horror kind of be a little like wild and reminiscent of that style. So, this fits perfectly into that. The story is about hazing, witchcraft and revenge, but this is about a girl named Cassie who just wants to fit in and now she's like finally on the varsity soccer team. She thinks like things are finally going to look up for me. Um but they don't. The hazing continues until a prank goes wrong and this is a story about anthropomorphic evil food. I love that. <laughs> it is so fun so bonkers so just absolutely bananas that if you want something that's still like i mean stuff happens this is a horror novella but it's still kind of fun
1: i think this is a good pick for that would you say it's a little bit like the stuff um with like the zaniness or kind of
0: yeah i mean maybe like a little bit darker question mark okay Mm -hmm. it's like maybe a little darker but yeah like definitely like that zany i mean this is all like happening in like a home ec classroom at a at a high school like oh that sounds good (laughs) (laughs) it was just really fun and i don't even know how she thought of this premise like i just (laughs) i would love to know i would say it's pretty room temperature uh, yeah, a lot of fun. And like I said, it is available on Kindle Unlimited and it is part of that Rewinder Die series along with like Cirque Berserk. Okay. So that is Food Fright by Nico Bell. And also, I've had people ask the Rewinder Die series doesn't need to be read in order. They're all standalone novels. They just all kind of have that premise, not premise, but that like vibe.
1: Are they all written by Nico Bell? No. Oh, okay. So they're all different.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a publisher unnerving that did the yeah, the Rewinder Die series. So yeah, it's like a bunch like V Castro has like
1: a a Rewinder Die book. Okay. My next pick is also kind of on a different tone. So I picked Charlie and the Chocolate Factory by Roald Dahl. Yeah. Um I feel like if I had to write a dissertation on a book, it would be this one because there's so much to unpack in the story. Both the the book and the movie. I mean, they follow each other pretty Pretty well, um, so I think everybody is aware of like what this book is about. But briefly, it's about a boy and his family who are starving and incredibly poor, and the boy is obsessed with chocolate. And he finds a golden ticket to go to this chocolate factory, and Willy Wonka is basically the villain because he owns this factory and he lures kids in with candy and chocolate and sweets. Um, he exploits his workers, the poor Oompa Loompas. He, you know, basically stole them from their home and enslaved them and pays them in cacao beans and they just have to like live there. Um, And then throughout the story, every child, I don't know if they die. It's kind of like unsure if they die, but, you know, Augustus falls into the chocolate river and he's sucked up through the pipes to be turned into fudge and the Oompa Loompas are just like singing about it. (laughs) And then Violet eats gum and turns into a blueberry and they have to roll her out to juice her. So I feel like there's just a lot of dark undertones and this movie, I mean, this book or movie, it's not very scary, but I, so I would put it in the fridge, but I still think it is an important food horror book. When you put it on the list, I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> and also I found out that there's a prequel coming out called Wonka with Timothy Chalamet as young Wonka. Okay. And that's coming out this year. I don't know what it's going to entail, but I want to see it. Yeah, is it going to be like how he found the Oompa Loompas? Yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> what are we
0: What are we covering in here? Yeah, what are we in for? Okay. So that was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory by Roald Dahl. Okay, we did have a few honorable mentions because there's a lot of a lot of food horror. Like we mentioned, um, like, I wanted to mention another graphic novel series that i've mentioned i feel like a few times on the podcast so i didn't want it to be one of my picks but i couldn't not talk about eat the rich by sarah gailey which is about this is also available on hoopla if your library has hoopla but this is about a woman who is going to go meet her boyfriend's family for the first time and they live in this very wealthy area and she comes to find out they are like very wealthy like extremely wealthy and as she becomes more a part of that she kind of learns more behind the scenes stuff like what sustains them which is different than what sustains other people and it's kind of a known open thing in that area and for the people that work there and I mean it is a big metaphor about like exploitation and that these billionaires literally run on poor people and the poor people have no options but to volunteer for this exploitative system knowing that it's going to be their demise
1: gosh <laughs> wait is this a book or a short story it's a graphic novel like series oh like graphic novel a, okay. it's a, yeah yeah i want to read that too it was nominated for a stoker this year which was cool I'm surprised I haven't heard of it. I've heard of Sarah Gailey, but Mm -hmm. yeah. So I want to mention The Horror of Dolores Roach. So this is a scripted story podcast that I listened to a long time ago, so I've forgotten a lot of the details to this, but a woman returns to her New York neighborhood that has drastically changed since she's been away. Her boyfriend's missing and her family's gone, and her only friend is a man who owns the empanada shop. Um, So he gives her the basement apartment below the shop as long as she gives massages and then that's how she like receives cash. Um, And I just remember being really fascinated and grossed out by (laughs) this, but it was really fun to listen to. On a road trip.
0: That is interesting. I know I, I saw the thumbnail for this um when the podcast came out, and I think I saw a trailer, like they're making it a, a series series, right? Oh, are they? Yeah. I don't know. I
1: didn't know. yeah.
0: Uh, I'll have to send it to you. I'm pretty okay. sure I saw a trailer pop up the other day. Um and then one I made you read was <laughs> The Emperor's Old Bones by Gemma Files, which my friend Laura made me read. So I'm
1: just like <laughs> passing, passing on it. the trauma. <laughs> it was That was a really creepy book. Like that was one where I was like, I need to make a meal on this because it was just. And I actually I yeah, I read it once all the way through. And then the second time I kind of like read it again because I felt like I was missing certain things with the boy. Like, was he being like
0: enslaved by this woman? I didn't go through it. Thoroughly a second time, but I was just kind of refreshing my memory, kind of like glancing over it, and I'm like, "There's a lot going on here with this like Ellis narrator
1: relationship,
0: yeah. like yeah, going so on.
1: Basically, it's about it's kind of told in like flashbacks mm-hmm. about a boy. I don't know if I think he is like his family died or like moved away, and this woman has kind of like taken over as his guardian. Yeah, she and- was about to rob them. And he was like the only one left <laughs> there. in the house.
0: <laughs> and she was like, all right, I guess I take care of you now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But like, she wasn't a good person. No. Yeah. She was like a criminal. Yeah. She introduces him to a dish called the emperor's old bones. And so I'm not going to say anything more about that, but I would say there was a quote in it that I saved that I just really loved. Um because if there's one thing you taught me, Ellis, one lesson I, I've i retained throughout every twist and turn of this snaky thing I call my life, it's that hunger has no moral structure. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. There's a lot of themes of like your moral compass and how far you're willing to go. I need to go through and like
0: reread it, reread it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a lot about the narrator's relationship with Ellis and how he views her and what she means to him and all the Mm -hmm. different layers there are to him and like the respect and like what place she holds in his life even now as an adult you know
1: yeah and i found this online to read like i just found it on a website is that how you found it too yeah it's it's for you can read it for free and i think it's nightmare magazine yeah and it won an award it won like international guild of horror award yeah i saw that it won something but yeah deserved Mm -hmm. Yeah, deserved. Well-deserved. And then there was a book you sent me. <laughs> yes. Mama Bird. Did you read it? I did. I did. <laughs> yeah, so Mama Bird by Clay McLeod Chapman. Um, so he came out with these little chapbooks. Mm-hmm. I just got the second one. I haven't read it yet, but Mama Bird, I mean, you can't. we can't go into too much detail, but basically it's about um, a mom and her child. The child's like a very picky eater, and the mother will do anything to feed her child. Yeah. The desperation. The lengths a mother will go. hmm
0: Did you relate to it? No, I mean, my kids are picky eaters, but they're the normal, like, I only eat chicken nuggets and barbecue sauce. Yeah. So picky eaters. I didn't have to go to
1: this <laughs> length. Thank you. Okay, okay. But well, you'll know what to do if you have yeah. to. <laughs> thank you, Claire. Now I know. <laughs> um, okay, I also feel like I couldn't not mention Hansel and Gretel from the Brothers Grimm. I feel like this is the first food horror story ever, right? Two kids are abandoned in a forest, starving, and they come upon a gingerbread candy cottage house, and a witch is trying to lure them in and fatten them up to eat them, and then they end up pushing the witch in the oven and killing her. (laughs) I just spoiled the whole thing, but everybody everybody knows this story.
0: I will always think of Morticia Adams in the Adams Family movie, like telling the story to the preschoolers when she's trying to get a job as like a preschool teacher. <laughs> and she's like, and Hensel and Gretel pushed the poor defenseless witch into the oven. Now, boys and girls, what do you think that feels like? And it's just cuts to like children crying. I mean, the idea of like, yeah, you're absolutely desperate and starving, and you come upon that like What else are you going to do? Not do it?
1: Yeah. Is it the first food horror story? That's what I came up with. Can you think of anything else? I'm trying to think. I'm sure there's something I'm not thinking Mm -hmm. of. Yeah. I'm sure there's more. And I feel like a lot of the Brothers Grimm stories have food in them or like people starving.
0: Willing to go to crazy lengths when you're starving.
1: Mm -hmm. That's like the theme in all of these books and movies. Yeah. (laughs) yeah like the the desperation the drive for survival Mm -hmm.
0: yeah I mean there's there's a lot of layers to food horror well one of the traditions that I have on the podcast is to ask guests for a chilling obsession so is there something in horror you've been enjoying lately
1: yeah so this came out a couple months ago but I'm still thinking about it Um, and that is Bo is Afraid which is by the same director who did Midsommar and Hereditary. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it yet. So tell me. Yeah. It's like, it's just one of those movies you can't stop thinking about after you see it. So it's supposed to be like a horror comedy. It's three hours long. What? Um, yeah. It's three hours long. And it is about, so Joaquin Phoenix plays an extremely anxious man living in a crime ridden city. And he has like the most horrifying apartment building and like looking out its window it's just like you know prostitutes people doing drugs people killing each other people stabbing each other and he's just like terrified to like leave the house which is understandable um and he's supposed to travel to see his mom but he misses his flight because he like accidentally leaves his keys in the door and someone steals that and his luggage and so now he can't lock the door to his apartment and he also can't leave to go on his flight and it basically is just like a nightmare like the worst things you could possibly think of happening happening and so it's kind of one of those movies that you like it's just like so incredibly anxious that you kind of hate it but you also kind of love it because you can't stop thinking about it so I don't know yeah. if I would recommend it to like everyone but it, it was it was very memorable that sounds very anxiety inducing I think I got that from the trailers though that
0: it was just like an anxiety fest
1: yes yeah I mean it's very different from Hereditary and Midsommar. And he goes to a place that you don't expect him to go and that you just will never forget.
0: Right. I'll see if I can put aside three hours and watch it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And also it like didn't make any money in the theaters. So it was just so weird and no one knew what it was about. Yeah. What is your chilling obsession right now?
0: That's a good question. I have not been really watching any horror lately. I've probably really not been watching anything lately. My June has been insane. Um, so my chilling obsession right now is just trying the the post Stoker Con, like coming down from that. Yeah, I was going to ask. I mean, that's a chilling obsession. Going to yeah. Stoker
1: Con, how was
0: it? Oh my gosh, it was. So fun! It was so exciting to get to see like people that I talked to online and have talked to for years, like Mm -hmm. in person. Like they really exist; they don't just exist (laughs) on my Twitter feed. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was at the the Sheraton here in Pittsburgh, and it was the same weekend as the Eras tour, and so it was a clash of like Swifties and horror people. Oh my Really funny. like i i walked by some one of the swifties who was on the phone and she's like i don't know some kind of horror conference i don't know everyone's in black <laughs> She's like pissed okay. <laughs> um it was really good i went to a lot of good panels there was like a, a panel on extreme and erotic horror with um cj Lee, the author of mayfly mm-hmm. and Haley piper and wrath james white and brian Keene. Um and it was like a horror there was a a panel on like why i love horror i went to some like author readings like it was just it was really fun just getting to hang out with people and listen to people you know wax poetic about what their you know specialty is in horror
1: yeah yeah that's awesome were you on a panel i, did, really? I was on two okay
0: what were your panels about um the first one was for librarians day for the summer scares program so i was mostly talking to like librarians about how to implement like summer scares into their library um and just talking to them about the about the podcast and about books i'm liking um the second panel was about horror tropes that we like love and hate and that was really fun cuz it was like <laughs> the podcasters like me um Neil at Talking Scared, and Agatha at She Wore Black, um, and then Nat Cassidy, um, the author of Mary and Awakening of Terror, and Rachel Harrison. It was like the five of us.
1: Oh my gosh, it's so
0: fun. (laughs) Talking about tropes we we love and hate. So my love was the the driving up to the haunted house, like hand on the leg, like, I think this will be good
1: for us. Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> i love haunted house stories i do too i do too i've done like three episodes on them though so i think i might need a bit of a breather before you i need a break
1: yeah <laughs> do yeah. another one but, but i do you love, love but i do love a haunted house story you love house of leaves right mm-hmm. yeah i love that book too i think it's just like it's so unique yes
0: i talked about it actually on the summer's cares panel when we were talking about like what was your history with horror and i'm like house of leaves got me back into reading and reading horror i was just like i didn't know literature could do this i didn't know Mm -hmm. you could like push the limits to narrative structure this much and stress me out with just arranging words on a page in a different way like i didn't
1: know my anxiety level could like tick up from that yeah it was so unsettling the way that the text was presented on the page uh but yeah i survived
0: my two panels good (laughs) Had a good time. So yeah, it's been mostly trying to like recover from that. Um, I left with like a ton of new books. And then, you know, I heard from all these authors that I'm like, well, now I have to read all of your books. And so I have this mm-hmm. like longer, way longer TBR than when I went into the con. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope I can go next year. Um, next year is San Diego. So Ooh, okay.
1: Because yeah. they change it every
0: year. Yeah, they change it every okay. year. Very cool. So yeah, that was my my chilling obsession. But the second tradition we have on this podcast is to ask our guests for a final girl song. So what would your song be?
1: Yes, I love this. I um it was really hard to think of one as everybody says on your podcast, but um I chose Heroes by David Bowie. I, I like love that is that did you ever watch perks of being a wallflower no okay is it is that like the theme song
0: no it's like I don't know if you're familiar with like this scene where like Emma Watson is like in the back of the truck and she has like her arms out and they're going through the tunnel but uh they're high schoolers in that movie and I think that's the song that's playing in the radio where she's like what is this song this is the best
1: song I've ever heard and she's like in the back of the (laughs) show I remember it in the end of Jojo Rabbit. Have you seen that movie? I haven't. I'm too, like, scared of being devastated. It's so sad. (laughs) But it's so amazing. No, but it's so good. It's so good. (laughs) It's it's probably, like, one of my favorite movies, but that song's in it, and it's, like, it's just, like, the perfect moment that it happens in.
0: Okay, I will make a point to watch it. I have heard it's good. I think I just like really struggle when I know something is going to be like emotionally devastating. Like
1: making yeah. the time to like
0: sit and to prepare. Chair. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, would you rather watch that or Bo is Afraid?
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, maybe Jojo Rabbit. Okay. Well, I'm also dealing with like my kids are out of school now, and so they're just like always home. So it's hard mm-hmm. for me to find like a three hour block where I can just like watch a movie in peace. Yeah. And not be interrupted which That's is probably not like <laughs> ideal for a movie like but was afraid <laughs> like, <laughs> no, having to no. stop every 20 minutes and get snacks no <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me about food horror yeah thank you for having me yeah i No, there's definitely probably books we missed and movies we didn't talk about. And people are like, I can't believe you didn't talk about The Ice Cream Man or Motel Hell or Blood Diner. Like, it's going to happen. I'm sorry. We can't possibly go through every movie ever. No. But if you know other things we could talk about, you could always comment on Instagram or Twitter. Let us know, like, what you would pair.
1: Yeah, thank you so much again for coming on. This was fun. Yeah, anytime. Yeah. And where can people find you online? Uh, books as Meals. Yeah. On Instagram and Twitter. Okay.
0: Yes, and I definitely suggest following for really fun, interesting reviews. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod or on Instagram at TikTok at Books in the Freezer. Or you can send us an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at booksinthefreezer.com and the show notes are a great resource. Every book that we mentioned should be listed there along with links and affiliate links, links to the Patreon, links to merch, just all kinds of resources. There's a link that goes right to the Books in the Freezer final girl playlist. So again, all that information can be found at booksinthefreezer.com. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. Or on Instagram at that's what she read. And that's that's with two A's. So see you next time on Books in the Freezer.